Good morning, Lakeview Church. I chose the message translation this morning just because I wanted to hear Dave say, yes, yes, yes. I thought that would be fun for us this morning. So uh, it is so good to be with you. Uh, This is the final uh, message in our four-part series, which we've been doing on the prayer of Jesus right out of Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we are finishing up 21 days of prayer. We had a wonderful time yesterday morning uh, at the River Church. We've been partnering with the River Church, with Brookhaven Wesleyan and our congregation here for 21 days of prayer. And many of you have been joining on the Facebook post to watch those devotionals uh, put out by those three churches combined and just exceptional, I think, content that's been shared during that time and then just leading us into a daily prayer time. We've been gathering here in the sanctuary at 630 in the morning for prayer. Uh, We've been giving special devoted time uh, throughout the week to prayer. And it's just been a wonderful time yesterday, just a great time of worship and prayer uh, over at the River Church. We had special prayer at the end of that time yesterday. If you were there, you know this, but we spent special time praying for the Capshaw family. And the Capshaw family, if you weren't here last week, you may not be familiar with this, but Reverend Ben Capshaw on Thursday, uh, August 19th, was tragically killed in an automobile accident. He was the pastor at Central Wesleyan Church in Elwood, one of our sister churches in the Crossroads District. He was 41 years of age, leaves behind a wife and two young kids, 13 and 11, and um, man, just a tragic situation. And we spent time yesterday praying for the Capshaw family, praying for Dr. Gorvet, who was officiating uh, as one of the officiants in the celebration of life yesterday for him. And uh, the, that service took place yesterday over at Elwood High School, packed auditorium. Uh, some of our staff and uh, some church members were there just to honor the life of Pastor Ben. And uh, I wanted to let you know that uh, in order to help the Capshaw family, this obviously was unexpected, uh, and they are not in a good financial situation just based on circumstances in their life right now. And so we've been uh, working together with Crossroads District Churches. The Crossroads District put out a challenge to churches to give an offering of up to $10,000 between the churches combined, and then the Crossroads District would match that gift And then as that uh, news got out to headquarters in Indianapolis, the Wesleyan Church International Headquarters, the Wesleyan Church came along and said, we're going to match that as well. And so if our churches would give $10,000, the district would match that, and then the Wesleyan Church would match that. So a $10,000 gift becomes $30,000. And so I wanted just to let you know, Dr. Gorvet told me yesterday that the $10,000 goal has been reached and that we as a church were a part of that. We gave $1,000. Thank you for your faithful giving. We, were, we had enough money to be able to give $1,000 towards that offering, and that, that has been uh, met. The 10000 has been matched from the district, 10000 from the Wesleyan Church, and money is still continuing to come in. So I just want to take a moment to say thank you. <clears throat> Uh, we are, again, as I said, finishing up this service on uh, this series on prayer and just been so thankful for the way God has been teaching me. I hope that he's been teaching you. But if he hasn't, I still have a lot to be thankful for because he's been teaching me about the importance of prayer and seeking his face. I want to see a move of God in my day. And I don't know, I don't know if the church is really wanting to see a move of God 
in our day. I think we've got enough of Jesus to be comfortable. We know we're going to heaven, but we're not all that concerned about seeing heaven come here. And I think it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to seek the Lord with a new devotion and a fervency like we have never had before in our lives. Because I think God is looking for a people who will strip away everything that would entangle us, everything that would hinder us, everything that would keep us from running the race that God has marked out for us to run in our day and in our time. And I, I want God and nothing else. I want his spirit and nothing less. And I just want you to know that I am committed as your pastor to lead this church in that reality. That whatever we're going to do as a church, it will begin in a place of prayer. Because there's nothing that we can do without his presence and his spirit moving in and through us. Can I get a better amen than that, please? So we're going to dig into this message for today. And uh, I just want to kind of maybe recap for some of you. Iwoo Marching Band, can I just tell you, I cannot wait. I got my tickets for the football games. I'm going to be there. I think we're in like the second or third row, right about the 50-yard line. And I can't wait. I, I, I just am excited. I, I love football. And it's going to be better now because the halftime is going to be so much more entertaining. I can't wait. So thank you for being here. And uh, I want to give you just a recap of this series just very quickly, just so you kind of know what we've been doing. We've been walking through the Lord's Prayer. We've been calling it the Prayer of Jesus, and because and, Jesus is the one who prayed it. His disciples said, Lord, can you teach us to pray? And Jesus said, well, when you pray, pray like this. So we've just been walking through the prayer of Jesus, and we've been saying, what do we learn from these statements in the prayer of Jesus that might guide us and direct us in our own prayers? Because Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. So the first line in the prayer is, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we said that that phrase in the prayer teaches us to look up, because that's where good prayer starts. It starts by acknowledging who God is and where God is and putting him in his rightful place. So we look up and we say, you are our father. You're in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And then after we look up, we look down. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth. Just like it is up there. We look up there to see who God is, to see his character, his nature, his worth. And then we look down here and we say, make this place reflect that. And so we look up and then we look down. And then last week we talked about looking in. We said that we pray, give us our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we said, this is where we learn to be good receivers Right? We need daily bread from God. We need grace from God to forgive our sins. And we have to learn how to receive from God. Because, because in order for us to be the kind of people we are called to be, we have to get that from God. We can't become that in our own strength. We need him. 
But we don't, we don't just receive from God so we can hoard it. We actually receive from God so that we can give to others. So we receive daily bread. We receive grace for forgiveness in our own lives. And then we give that to others. We share daily bread. We meet the needs of the people around us. And we share spiritual resources with those around us. Because we are blessed by God to be a blessing. This morning, as we wrap up this series, I want to talk about uh, looking out. And not like looking out like on the horizon. I mean, look out. Because there's an enemy who wants to keep you from the life that God has for you. We are called by God in this prayer to look out because there is an enemy that wants to keep you from the life that God has for you. Jesus prays in this prayer, and I like the way the message translation says it. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You might be more familiar if I use the way we normally pray this prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. There are two enemies that you have to look out for. And, and you might not... You might not be aware of the first one, but I want to just remind you of what the first enemy is that you need to be looking out for. You need to look out for yourself. Because sometimes you're your own worst enemy. Now, you might say, how does this connect with the Lord's Prayer? Because I don't see that in the way I normally pray. Lead us not into temptation. Because here's what happens. When we think about temptation, we think about an external enemy. We think about something that's out there that's trying to get us to do something that we don't want to do. Except we should always let the Bible teach us. Instead of just trying to figure things out on our own, we should let the word of God instruct us. And so when we think about temptation, I'm going to show you why we need to look out for ourselves. In the book of James, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15... What you read there is a description of how temptation works. And this is what it says. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When you're tempted, don't say, the devil made me do it. And when you're tempted, don't say, God tempted me, because neither one of those things are true. When you are tempted, according to the Bible, and remember, we don't get to have our truth There is a truth, and it sits outside of us. And so we are not trying to figure out what we think is true so we can do what we want to do. We actually find out what God's word says, and then we line our lives up with that because the word of God is truth. You guys are catching on to this amen thing. I like it. James says we're not tempted by God. God doesn't do that. And you might expect James to say, but it's the devil. Blame it on the devil. But that's not what he says. He says, it's your own evil desires. 
See, when you're tempted, what makes it temptation is that you want it. You desire it. If it wasn't appealing, it wouldn't be temptation. I am not tempted to eat Brussels sprouts. That is not something that I think, man, I really got to have a Brussels sprout right now. But a brownie? Now that's a little more tempting. And there's an amen. That's right. Right? We're tempted because we want it. The scriptures say that there are things inside of us, a bent, an inclination towards sin. The Bible talks about this in different ways. It says that we walk according to our flesh or our sinful nature. There are things inside of us that we want. And so these things come along and, and we decide we want it. We're enticed by it and we run after it. And if we give in to that temptation, we give in to sin. And sin, if we let it run its course in our life, brings us to the place of death and destruction. It's not a pretty picture. Now, the word that James is using here, the picture, is really a picture from fishing. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I married a woman from Wisconsin, and she likes to fish. When we go on vacation to the lake, she wants to go fishing all the time. First thing in the morning, last thing at night, anytime during the middle of the day. And I just see that as a distraction from reading the book that I want to read. So I sit in my chair with my coffee and she goes fishing. And what she does when she goes fishing is she puts a nice lure on the end of the line. And she cast that into the water. She'll fish from shore. She'll fish from the dock. She'll take the paddle boat out and fish. She'll go on the boat with her dad and fish with him. She'll fish anywhere, anytime, anyplace. She puts that lure out in the water. And then she tries to entice the fish to bite it. Now, this is not because she wants to just see the fish and love the fish. She wants to kill the fish. She wants to take a knife to the fish and fillet the fish. And she wants to put that fish in the frying pan so that we can eat it. And I do have to say, that's the part of fishing I like. That's the picture that James is giving in this passage. He says that, that we are lured away. There's something that we want. The, the reason the fish comes out of hiding and begins to swim behind the lure is because the lure is something that the fish wants. It's desirable. And, and it's not something, though the lure is outside the fish, it's not the lure itself that's attracting the fish. It's the desire inside the fish because he wants the lure. And so he chases it. And if he chases it long enough, eventually he bites it. And in that moment, he realizes it's not as good as he thought it was because it's got a hook in there. And before he knows it, he's being dragged into the boat. And pretty soon he'll be filleted and in the frying pan. That's what happens to us. There are things we want in our lives and they're not good things. They're not God's things for us. And we're enticed by them and we run after them because we want them. 
And if we follow those things long enough and pursue them, eventually we decide not just to pursue them, but to take a bite of them. And when we do, we find out it's not what we thought it was. There's a hook inside, and it leads us to death. That's the way temptation works. So Jesus says, you ought to pray this way. Keep us safe from ourselves. Help us to not give in to our evil desires, but instead to stay on the course of pursuing what God has for our lives. But there's a second enemy in this passage, and it's in this prayer of Jesus as well. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You see, the devil is the other enemy that we need to be careful of. And the reality is, and what I want you to know today, is that there is an enemy. While you are tempted by your own evil desires, that's what drags you away. That's what, that's what entices you into sin. There is an enemy who wants to oppress you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to do whatever he can to put any obstacle in your path to keep you from living the life that God has created you to live. This is his sole purpose This is exactly what Jesus told us in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief, he's talking about the devil, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is the only thing the devil wants to do. He wants to just do anything he can to keep you from the life that God wants you to experience. And there are all kinds of things that he will use. Busyness. Some of you need to have the demon of busyness exercised from your life. Because we get busy doing good things and we think all of these things are good. How could they be taking me away from God's plan for my life? And yet, if we are too busy to seek God, if we are too busy to spend time in his word, if we're too busy to be people of prayer, then the the devil has won. Because he's distracted you from the best thing with some good things. I think about Mary and Martha, right? The story of the two sisters and Jesus is coming to the house and Martha's busy. She needs everything to be just right. She is cleaning out closets that Jesus is not gonna look in but she needs them to be clean anyway. Some of you live with people like this who are cleaning, so you're like, they're never gonna come in this room. It's okay, just shut the door. They won't see it, right? Just, just cover that up. It's fine, they'll never look there. But we have to have everything, and Martha's doing that. And, and then she looks at her sister, and what's her sister doing? She's not working. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha says, Jesus, can't you tell my sister to get up and do something. And Jesus says, but she's doing the best thing. See, some of us, we are distracted with our busyness, with good stuff. And that just might be the devil's tactic in our lives. Some of us are discouraged. At every turn, it seems like we can't get traction in our life and we just feel, we just feel beat down. We just feel held back. Some of you feel oppressed in your life. Listen, there is an enemy, and his purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
Peter wrote to a group of Christians who were in the first century and they were living in a time of persecution. They were facing suffering at every turn. And, and Peter says that this is not their fault. This is things that are being done to them. And, and I think we're living in a day and age where we're gonna have more and more stuff as followers of Jesus Christ, if we are passionate and serious about living for God, I'm telling you right now, we are not in a culture that is going to all of the sudden decide to be friendly to a move of God in our day. This is not, Christianity is not going to be for the faint of heart in this next season. It's going to take people who are serious. And it's, we're going to fight a battle. I'm telling you, there is an enemy. And, and Peter writes to this group of Christians in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and he says, I want to remind you to stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out. You have a great enemy, and he's roaming back and forth like a roaring lion, and he's looking for someone to devour. I don't know about you, but I think there are times in today's world where we are just not aware that there's an enemy. We act as if there is no enemy, that everything's been won already. I just want to let you know there is an enemy out there, and he wants to destroy you. I never forget when we moved to Colorado, we decided as a family, uh, when we were planting a church just outside of Denver, we decided that we were going to go hiking in the mountains. And hiking in, in the mountains in Colorado it ain't like hiking in Indiana, let me tell you. It's, it's harder because it's higher, for one. I remember the first day I went up the stairs in our condo, and I was like, I cannot breathe. It was so hard to breathe there. But we went hiking in the mountains, and, and I, I just went, you know, thinking like it's like Indiana. Like in Indiana, if you go hiking, there aren't things that can kill you. But I remember we got to the trailhead in Colorado where we were going to go hiking up in the mountains and there's this picture at the trailhead and it has a picture of a family that was posing for this family photo. And then in the background, if you look really carefully, there's a mountain lion. The family has no idea the mountain lion is there. They're just posing for a family picture. But the mountain lion is in the background, crouched, ready to attack. And the point of the sign is, look out, because there are things here that can kill you. And I just remember going on that hike, just looking. Every, I mean, it's like I did not even see the scenery. I was just so scared. Some of us need a little bit of healthy fear in our lives, because there's an enemy, and he wants to knock you out of the game. Don't make any mistake about it. Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy. He is roaming back and forth, and he just wants to destroy you. And we got to be careful, because if we're not, we're going we're gonna to be attacked by the devil, and we will be defeated. Why in the world do we need to look out? Hasn't Jesus won the victory? He has won the victory, but we have to endure to the end. Right? We have been saved. We were saved when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But we are waiting for the day when we will fully be saved, when we pass from this life to the next or Jesus returns and we're changed in an instant. And in between the point of being saved and the point where we will be saved, we are being saved. 
That's how the Bible talks about salvation, which means we have to endure. And what I want you to know today is that in that point between being saved and the point when you will be fully and finally saved, this journey is the Christian journey. And there is an enemy inside of you that wants to take you back to what you had before, which makes no sense because you have life like you've never had before in the person of Jesus. And you, you shouldn't go back there. Keep going forward in the life that God's called you to. But while you're doing that, there's an enemy who is just looking for a way to distract you, to disrupt you, to defeat you, to destroy you. So why should we look out? Well, we should look out because if we don't look out for temptation, we can be held captive by our sin. We can be held captive by our sin. And some of you right now in, in this room are held captive by your sin. You can't stop looking at those images on your computer. You want to. You try, but you find yourself being pulled away by your own desires. And you go right back into that habit, that pattern that you couldn't get out of. Some of you have sin in your life that maybe no one knows about. You've done a really good job of keeping it a secret and you've fought that battle privately and personally on your own and you've tried to win the battle, but you're not succeeding. I just wanna let you know, it's because there is this battle of temptation and you actually cannot win that on your own, which is why you have to pray, keep us safe from ourselves. Lead us not into temptation. You need Jesus to help you with temptation because you can be held captive by your sin. And some of you need to be set free with God's help from that, from that temptation and from that sin. We need to look out not just because temptation could lead us into sin, but we also need to look out because we could be defeated by the devil. Now, again, Jesus has won the victory. There's no reason we should be defeated by the devil except if we don't fight the battle. We have to actually fight the battle. And if we don't fight the battle against temptation, we don't fight the battle against the devil, we're going to be held captive by our sin. We're going to be defeated by the devil. And, and those two enemies will have succeeded in keeping us from the life that God has called us to live. So this is the point of today's message. When we pray the Lord's Prayer and we get to this line, Keep us safe from ourselves. Keep us safe from the devil. What we are re reminding ourselves of, what we are recognizing in that place of prayer is that God is our deliverer. You want victory over temptation? You can't find it in your own strength. There's not, when we're dealing with temptation, there's no such thing as self-help. You actually need God to help you. And he will. And when you're fighting the devil, you, you're just not that strong. But, but God is strong enough. So we recognize God as our deliverer. Let me, let me just give you a few scripture verses that I think are really important. When we think about uh, this whole idea of temptation and how God can help us fight against temptation as our deliverer. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. By the way, when my mom passed away a couple years ago, I, I got her Bible. And I was flipping through it, 
and I was looking and she had written next to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, pray this for Chris every day. Now, what I couldn't figure out is why she did not also say and pray this for Lisa every day, who is my sister sitting down here in the front row. Apparently, she did not have to worry about her being tempted to do stuff. It was only me. But my mom prayed this prayer for me every day. And here's the prayer, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Notice who gives you the victory when you're tempted. It's not you. It is God. God is faithful. He won't let the temptation be any more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he always provides an off-ramp if you're willing to take it. So what do we do? We build into our lives spiritual practices that help us get in the word of God and become the people that God wants us to be. We get connected in Christian community, not just in a large gathering like this, but in small groups, which are going to be starting up here in a few weeks. And you have an opportunity to be with other believers who are praying with you and for you, and they're holding you accountable and they're strengthening you in your faith. And most importantly, you are inviting the Holy Spirit into your life to guide you, to direct you, to to empower you so that you're not living according to the flesh or the sinful nature, but you're living in step with the Spirit of God so that when the temptation comes, you can identify the off-ramp and you can take it before you get yourself into trouble. God is our deliverer. He'll deliver us from temptation. He can also deliver us from the devil. In John 10.10, we already read the first half, the thief's purpose to steal, to kill, to destroy. But then Jesus says, but I've come so that you can have a rich and satisfying life. In another translation, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. In other words, the enemy wants to keep you from the life that God has for you. But Jesus came so that you can experience everything that he has for you. He will deliver you into that. And Peter, remember him writing to these Christians who are being persecuted and held back in their faith? He says, listen, the enemy, he goes back and forth and he's like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. You ought to stay alert and be aware of that. But listen to what he says in the next couple of verses. He says, stand firm against him. And be strong in your faith. Remember, this is something the family of believers all over the world will go through. He says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus, so that after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. What do you do when the devil wants to destroy you? You turn to God. And he will strengthen you, and he will support you, and he will put you on a firm foundation. Why? Because he is our deliverer. That's who God is. And so I came to this place today to tell you that there are enemies you better look out for. Temptation. The devil. Those things want to take you away from the life that God created you to experience. But God is our deliverer, and he wants to actually propel you into that life. 
And listen, our world needs Christians who are propelled into that kind of life. We need it. Our world needs it. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to spend another moment or two in prayer. I'm actually going to ask Christian to come and play. I don't want anybody looking around right now. I just want you to take a moment and think about your life because some of you in this room this morning, you're in a place, you're in a season, you're in a time where temptation is wreaking havoc in your life. And you actually need God to help you experience victory. You need to be able to see the off-ramp when temptation comes your way. And you need the Holy Spirit's power to actually take the off-ramp before you get into trouble. So as you're reflecting, if that's you this morning, I want you just to just talk to the Lord. It's between you and him right now. Maybe you're here today and you know the devil is just attacking you at every single turn. He's oppressing you. He's discouraging you. He's bringing doubt and fear. None of those things come from the Lord. They come from the enemy. Maybe he's causing you to want to turn from your faith, to go a different direction, to take a different path than the one Jesus called you into. And today you need to be alert and take a stand. Because at the end of the day, our battle is never against flesh and blood. It's always against the rulers and the principalities and the power of, of darkness in this world. And so we can't fight spiritual battles with physical force. We can only fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. Maybe today as you sit in this moment of prayer, you think to yourself, you know what? I need victory over the devil in my life. And whether you feel like you've been attacked by temptation or whether you feel like you've been attacked by the devil, what I'm gonna ask you to do next may seem bold, but we in this place are a house of prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe when people, when the people of God gather in a place like this, the Spirit of God is here. And so we want to pray for you that you would experience victory, victory over temptation, victory over the devil. This is not in any way a condemning moment. This is a moment of victory. So here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you if you'd like to be prayed for this morning just to simply stand right where you are to say, I feel like I'm fighting a battle against temptation. I feel like I'm fighting a battle against the devil, and I want to be prayed for this morning. If that's you, I just want to invite you to stand, and we're going to pray for you. Yeah, don't hesitate. Don't miss this moment. If this is your moment to just reach out for help, don't miss it. Don't miss it. I want us to just pray together. 
for victory. So if you're a person of faith and maybe you sense that somebody near you stood up, this is not, again, it's not embarrassment. It's not condemning at all. It's just, just saying to a brother or sister, we are praying with you. Just might stretch out your hand toward them. And, and together, we're just going to unite our hearts in faith in this moment. And we're going to ask the Lord to bring victory. So God, right now, we come before you as your church, your people assembled together in this room. And we recognize that you are here. That's your promise, that when we gather in your name, you are right in our midst. And we have some people today who are literally standing in need of prayer. And so we as your people, we pray for our brothers and our sisters who are standing right now. And Lord, we are, we are praying for forgiveness. We're praying for grace. We're praying for healing and restoration. But most importantly today, we are praying for victory. Lord, I pray that you would set our brothers and sisters free. Lord, as they face the battle of temptation, Lord, would you set them free? Would you help them remember that you are faithful, that you will never let them be tempted beyond what they can bear, that there is always a way out and you will show them the sensitivity to know where that off-ramp is and to take it. And for those who today are discouraged and defeated, they're facing doubts and fears and depression and, and the enemy is just attacking them at every turn. In the name of Jesus Christ, the one who won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. We pray that the devil would let these people go and that there would be freedom and victory in the name of Jesus and that we would see a new work of your hand in their lives. Lord, let it be so in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, for what you do, for the victory that you provide, Lord, we're gonna give you the thanks and praise not just after the victory comes, but even in this moment, while we're still waiting for it to appear, we praise you because you are a victorious God. So we lift you up today, Lord, and we continue to pray for your work to be done in our lives. And we pray these things in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everyone who agreed said, amen. You may be seated.